morning. All right, before we get into the Word, i got a couple things I wanted to bring your attention to. One is, uh, when you came in, you, you saw this sitting on the seats. Um, after the service, we're going to be doing Adopt-A-Block, and our goal is to, get, is to hit 1,000 homes with these door hangers after the service today. Now, I know some of you are like, dang, it's cold, preacher, man, it's cold. Okay, there were like 150,000 people freezing their butts off last night and didn't have a problem with it uh, at two different stadiums in the state. I think we could get out and do this, so... Here, can I get a name, man, from God's people? All right, everybody who clapped and didn't clap, you're invited and you're going to do this, okay? So here's, here's what I, no, seriously, though, what I want you to do is meet us right out here in the lobby after the service. We're asking everybody to do 25 door hangers in 25 minutes. So that's all the commitment we're asking for. And if everybody does it, we're going to hit 1,000 homes around our neighborhood today, okay? Can you give a, applause to God for that? Because that's, that's a good thing. Okay, way better than a football game. That's a really, really good thing. So I'm going to say that again. And, and for our guests who are here today, we, let's act like we're really excited about people coming to know Jesus. Okay, so we're, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Not, not yet. Okay, so just pretend I didn't say any of that stuff. So we are getting ready to go out and reach a thousand people for Jesus. Yeah, okay. Much better. Much better. Also... I wanted to let you know we uh, have our giving thanks offering that begins next weekend, okay? That starts on Thanksgiving weekend. It runs through the entire month of December. 100% of everything that comes in for that offering will go to Nazarene World Missions to fund churches around the world. It also goes to Abba Center and to our core kids. And what I want to ask you to do as your pastor, if you're a regular attender of Core Church, is to pray. Ask God what he wants you to give above what you normally give. Don't just put what you normally give in that offering, okay? That actually hurts us uh, and hurts the kingdom when you do that. We need you to give above that. What I'm asking you to do is pray. You pray, God, what do you want me to give? And then give that, not a penny less, not a, a penny more, okay? So that starts next weekend. You can also give online at any time. You don't have to just do that on Sunday. Well, we're continuing our series uh, today called Church Zombies, and we've been talking about the Holy Spirit the last couple of weeks. We've been talking about how um, many of us are alive in Christ, but we are not fully alive. We are kind of sleepwalking through our experience with Christ, and maybe in your walk with Jesus, you felt a little bit lethargic, and you're just kind of going through the motions, and you feel a little bit like a church zombie. Well, over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about this, so you can go back and listen to the podcast. Also, next week, we have a, a great message on this as well. And so I want to talk to you, though, about that today, about being a church zombie and how God desires for all of us as Christ followers to be fully alive. So if you would, go to the book of John, John chapter 9, and that's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And John, one of the four Gospels, John was Jesus' best friend, and he wrote an account of Jesus' life and the time that he spent with Jesus. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, we have them. They're free. They're uh, after the service right down here in the front. You can pick one up, or you can go to the Next Steps room and get one. Or if you have a mobile device and you don't have a Bible on your mobile device, go to corechurch.com. You can download a Bible there. I read out of the New Living Translation, the NLT. So we're in John chapter 9, and Jesus um, has come upon a blind man, and he heals 
this blind man. He does it in a crazy way, which we're going to talk about here in just a moment. But when he heals this blind man, the religious leaders of that day get really upset at him, which makes no sense whatsoever because he's doing a great deed, and they get mad at him, and it's because they're jealous of Jesus. He's drawing larger crowds. His church is bigger than their church, and so it's this whole preacher jealousy thing, and they're mad at him. They don't like him, and so they find this little loophole in the law that he is healed on the Sabbath. And in the Jewish law, you're not supposed to be working on the Sabbath. So they say, well, Jesus, he, he did this crazy healing. And because he did that, that was against the law of Moses. And therefore, uh, it's just hypocrisy. And he should not have done that. So then they bring the blind guy in and they talk to him. And they're like, hey, who is this Jesus guy? And the blind man's great. He's like, I don't know. All I know is I was blind and now I see. That's all I know. So they get mad at this guy and they throw him out of the synagogue. Because he is kind of siding with Jesus. And what we learn is when you get to verse 35, that's where we're going to be, John 9, 35. When you get to this part, Jesus really kind of fully opens up what this healing was about. Because it really wasn't about a physical healing. What Jesus was really trying to get to was spiritual healing. And this is the, the crux of every miracle that Jesus has ever done. Every miracle that takes place in your life Every miracle that takes place in my life is really Jesus driving us to spiritual change in our lives. He's trying to get a hold of us spiritually. And so verse 35, let's read this. So Jesus hears about what the Pharisees have done and what they, they threw him out. And so he found the man, the blind man, who now can see. And he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man answered, well, who is he, sir? I, I want to believe in him. And you've seen him, and he's speaking to you right now. So the blind man said this, yes, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped Jesus. By the way, that's the proper response of every Christ follower. You come into a relationship with Jesus, you begin a life of worship to Jesus. You, you believe in Jesus, you start worshiping him. And then Jesus told him this, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they're actually blind. And some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him, and they're really mad. And they're saying, are you saying we're blind? Uh, and he says, well, if you, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the time to be in your house today. And so now we, we want to just open your word, and we need you, God, to speak to us. And I just pray you would do that in these moments. And so, church, I want you to pray for the people around you. You might know them, you might not. And if you know them by name, just pray for them by name. And we'd all be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to say. Pray that your heart would be open too. Pray for me as your pastor that I'm going to be faithful to what God wants us to say and what's he, what he wants us to hear. In Jesus' name, and if you're ready, give me a big amen. amen. Well, if you're here last week, uh, I talked about my hatred towards do-it-yourself stores. Uh, because they belittle men like me who can't do it ourselves. And uh, I talked about last week how I'd, uh, Laura was convinced I could fix the screens in the house. And uh, so she had me go and buy the screen kits. And so uh, I got out the screen and I, I went to work on it. I wanted to show you guys the progress that I'm making. Uh, Looks pretty good, doesn't it? Thank you. You're dismissed, Tim. 
All right, buddy? I love you. All right. Uh, yeah, so I, um, I get this screen kit, and, I, and I, 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 I know I can't do it. But, I mean, you know, when your wife says you can do it, you're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to try to do this. And so I, I got the screen kit and got the screen out. And um, I, the mistake I made was I thought, I want to watch the football game and fix the screen at the same time. And so I brought it out. In, man, if you don't know how to fix something, do it in the privacy of the garage where no one can see you messing it up. So I made that mistake. I go out into the living room, and, uh, and there sits uh, Laura and, and Jeremiah, my son, and, and I, I put this down on the, the ground to go to work on it, and all I hear is my son mocking me and laughing out loud. He's like, what are you doing, Dad? I'm fixing the screen. That's what I'm doing. And Laura can see in this moment that my manhood is being tested, so she jumps in to help me, and she's like, you can do it, honey. I really believe in you. I really do. You're not making this any better. So this is... Uh, this is as good as it gets right here, people, <laughs> right here. I, I just, I, and, and I got out the instructions, you know, and it's in like seven different languages, and I don't know Taiwanese, if that's even a language, and had little 2D stick figure drawings. Oh, that makes it easier. I just have no clue what I'm doing. You know, maybe, um, maybe in, in your, your life, you, you feel like this. Like, you, you, you got some things that are a little messed up. And, and they need to be fixed. But you ain't got a clue how to do it. And you jump in and you try, but you just can't figure it out. You just can't make it right. And, and you just get frustrated. I mean, it might be um, a relationship that you're trying, trying to fix, but you just don't have any clue how to fix it. You don't know what you're doing. Maybe it's a financial mess, or maybe it's an addiction you're trying to overcome. Or maybe it's just a, something simple in the, in the workplace that you're that you're dealing with, and, and you, just, you just don't know how to fix it. Well, in this, in this series, we're looking at Isaiah, and, and you don't have to go to Isaiah, but Isaiah is one of our key verses for this series. Isaiah chapter 11 and, and verse 2, Isaiah talks about the Holy Spirit, and, and Isaiah is giving a prophecy about the coming Messiah. He's, he's giving a prophecy about Jesus coming, and we're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus here in a couple of weeks, and Isaiah's prophesying about it, but he's talking about how the Holy Spirit is going to be a part of Jesus' life, and he shows us that the, that the Holy Spirit actually does know what to do, and the Holy Spirit does know how to fix it, and this is what it says, and, and the, the Spirit of the Lord, this is the Holy Spirit, again, Isaiah talking about the coming of Jesus, he says the Spirit of the Lord is going to be on him, be, it's going to be on Jesus, and it's going to be the spirit of wisdom and understanding. We talked about that last week. And here's what I want to talk about this week. Let's say this together. The spirit of counsel and might. And then next week, we're going to finish up with the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So if you're taking notes, I'd like for you to write this down because I want to talk about counsel and might. And here's what counsel and might are. Counsel and might are this. It's knowing what to do and having the ability to do it. Knowing what to do and having the ability to do it. 
In, in other words, the Holy Spirit knows what to do with that relationship problem. The Holy Spirit knows what to do with that financial problem. The Holy Spirit knows what to do in the workplace, the problem you're having at school, whatever that problem is with your parents, with, with uh, your children, with a relative. You've got a lot of relatives coming to town, don't you? And you got that one coming to town here in a few days that you just don't know how to fix that relationship. You don't know how to make that right. And what Isaiah says here is the Holy Spirit actually knows how to, to fix that. But, but here's what I want to focus on. I want to focus on one aspect today, and it's an area that we often overlook. And I want to look at one way in which the Holy Spirit really helps us. And it affects all of the other areas of our lives, but we often never think about this, and that's our spiritual condition. The Holy Spirit wants to help you and me with what's going on in our heart, with what's going on in our soul, what's going on in our struggles, in our weaknesses, those things that constantly trip you up. You know, those, those flaws that you have, that I have. You don't like to admit it, I don't like to admit it, but we've all got them. Turn to the person next to you and say, you got problems. Yeah, <laughs> that felt good, didn't it? You've just been wanting to tell that person that for a long time. You got a lot of problems. We, we, all, we all have flaws, we all have weaknesses, and we all, we all need to change. We know that. It's, it's, it's not brain surgery. I'm not giving you an, a, an epiphany moment here. We all know we need to change. But turn, but turn back to that person who just said, he turn to them now and say, you need to change. Yeah, so we all, we all need to change. And, and when, when our flaws and when our weaknesses go unchecked, we're in danger of becoming what we've been talking about, and that is a church zombie. We're, we're, we go through life and we have no victory. We have no sense of God's presence. We have, we have no power. We're constantly defeated in our lives when we overlook this area of our spiritual condition. So why is it so hard to change? I mean, we know we need to change. We know that there's flaws and there's weaknesses that we have. I, I can think of several I have right now, but why can't I change that? Because I, I want to change. And Isaiah says in Isaiah 11:2 that the Spirit knows what needs to change, and he also gives us the power to change it. It's the Holy Spirit that is the answer and I, Isaiah, when he's talking here, he says that Jesus is coming and Jesus would have the Spirit of God on him. So what we've been doing in this series, we've been looking at the life of Jesus so that we could learn more about the Holy Spirit. So let's go back to John chapter 9, because through the example of Jesus, I think we find some answers to see how the Holy Spirit can help us change those flaws and those weaknesses and those things that constantly trip us up. John 9, 6, then he, being Jesus, spit on the ground, made mud from the saliva, that is so disgusting, come on somebody, and then spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Can we just, can we just be real in here? That is just the goofiest verse in all of scripture. You're like, that is just jacked up. What is that? Jesus spit and then rubbed mud in the guy's eye. Why, why would he do that? Well, scholars have debated for a long time why Jesus did that, but really one of the reasons he did that is because in that time period, I know it sounds gross to us, but in that time period, this was a very common thing to do in people who were blind. In a treatment of somebody who was blind, you would use spit or saliva. 
So when Jesus does this, he's demonstrating that he's getting ready to help this blind man. I mean, can you imagine if you went to the eye doctor and, you know, you put your face in that little chin thing? And they go, with the eye thing. Can you imagine if he's like, what did you just do? Now imagine if that had been the blind man's reaction. Whoa, 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 I don't know what you're doing, but I heard that. I don't want none of that. No, that would have been ridiculous for him to do that. He's got Jesus, the miracle maker, standing right in front of him. He recognized his blindness. This guy knew, I'm blind. I heard some spit getting all riled up there. I think something's about to go down here for me. So he embraces it. I saw, I saw this video uh, that just went viral recently, and it said this dog named Diesel. You may have seen this. He's a bulldog. And he picks up this box, and he refuses to, to put it down. Watch this. Diesel, this way. <laughs> Come on. Oh. Oh. And it, it, <laughs> That's a sin. It, it just keeps Diesel. going. Come here, this way. Anda. Like, he's not going to put this box down. Diesel, this way, you dummy. Where did he get this? <laughs> <laughs> he fell. He got it right there on the floor. And boom. Oh, yeah. Diesel, this way, baby. I mean, we, we laugh at, at Diesel for doing that, but how often do we approach our spiritual condition that way? In our lives, how often do we do that? Because, because we all have spiritual blind spots. Might be anger, might be lust, might be greed. Any number. Might be pride, bitterness, unforgiveness. What, what, what's your blind spot? What, what's the area that you're really maybe not aware of or you, you ignore? What is it that is blocking your relationship with Jesus? What is it you picked up that you're refusing to put down? Because like Diesel, that's what happens to us. We, we have these spiritual blind spots. We have this blindness about us, but we refuse to acknowledge it, and we hit wall after wall after wall after wall after wall, and we don't know why. So what is it? What is it that keeps tripping you up? What is it that has infected you? Because we, we can't change until we're really willing to admit that we got some blind spots. Like it's fun to turn to each other and go, you got some blind spots, yeah, you got some problems. And you know, I, I mean, that's funny to do that, but it doesn't take any of us very long I mean, just that quick, and you know your weakness. You know your flaw. And if you don't know your flaw, or you think you're without flaws, you're in the greatest danger. You're in the greatest danger of all. We all have them. We all have these issues and, and these struggles. And, and the great thing is, is that what we see throughout the New Testament and through John's letter and all of the Gospels, and Paul talks about it, is that Jesus made a way for us to be free and healed from our blindness. And that's called the cross. 
It wasn't just the crib and the cradle, which we're going to celebrate here in a few weeks, but it was the crib and the cradle that led to a bloody cross. I praise God for the baby, but I thank God that he became the man who took my sin, who took my flaw, who took my blind spots upon him on the cross. Because whether you recognize it or not, we all deserve death for our sin. We're all born into it. We're all broken. We're all messed up. There is no way out. You have no way out of your sin, your shame, and your brokenness, or your blind spot, or your weakness. It's going to continue to trip you up until you recognize that, yes, God did send Jesus. He was the Son of God. As Isaiah prophesied, he was the Messiah, the promised king who went to that cross and died for you, died for me, so that I could be healed from all my sin and all my shame. Come on, God's people, give him a hand clap for that. That's good news. That's good news. But, but let's talk about the Holy Spirit here because it's the Spirit... It's the spirit that gives us counsel and might. In other words, it's his Holy Spirit that reveals it to us. It's the Holy Spirit who reveals it, but this is the beauty of God. Have you ever had a friend or somebody you love reveal your flaw? Oh, they love to do that, don't they? Oh, you do that every single time. Every time you do that, you know, you're always like that. And you know, well, I'm not always like that, but I am a lot like that. But the difference here is that as men and women and young people, we can reveal somebody else's flaws, but we can't fix their flaws. The beauty of the Holy Spirit is he doesn't come as a condemning spirit. He doesn't come to condemn you. He comes to reveal it because he says, I'm the one who can fix it. I'm the one who can give you the power to overcome that weakness. So Jesus goes to the cross, makes a way for our sin and our shame to be forgiven. The Holy Spirit comes, reveals our sin to us, and then gives us the power to overcome it. God's people need to say amen about right there. That is good preaching. That is good news to this side of the room, to the middle of the room, and this side. That is good news for all of us. So John goes on to say that this in John chapter 16 and verse 8. When he comes, this is Jesus talking. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he's going to, let's say this together, he's going to what? Convict the world of its sin. Now hang on, hang on. It doesn't say he's going to condemn. He's going to convict. And he's going to do this of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. But can we be, come on, we don't like conviction, do we? Ooh, no siree. I mean, it's just painful. Don't tell me my flaws. This is the reason why half of you don't come to church most of the time, because you just it's put right in front of your face. Can we just be real about that? Many times when we are convicted of our sin or we're faced with our sin and our flaws, sometimes we will run to the church, we will run to God, but most of the time we'll run from God. Whenever we are 
not living the way in which we know we need to be living, man, I, I can just count it. I can just look. I can look around and I can see, man, somebody ain't been here for a long time. Something must be going on in their life. And I, I, sure enough, there's usually something that's going on in their life because we're trying to hide out. Why? Because we don't like that conviction that the Holy Spirit brings upon us. I'm talking about those of you that are followers. We don't like that. If we're a follower of Jesus, I just want Jesus to love me. You just, you know, grace. I want the grace thing. I just love me. He loves you enough to not let you wallow in your weaknesses and your flaws. He loves you enough to want to change you, to make you into a better person for those around you, for him and for his glory. But we, we don't like that. We, we don't want to face it. We don't want to deal with it. So what we will do is we will make a superficial change. We'll, we'll change our address and we'll move. We'll change jobs. We'll We'll change spouses. We'll change hair color. We'll change clothes. We'll change anything. But that's just a superficial change. And if you're taking notes, please write this down. I don't need a superficial change. I need a supernatural change. I don't need a superficial change. I need a supernatural change. In, in other words, we like to change the outside when it's really the, the inner core, the inside, is what needs to change. You don't change from the outside in. You change the inside, and then the outside becomes a reflection of that. Are you tracking with me? Amen? That's how, that's how change happens. And real, sustainable change can only happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? It, listen. It isn't going to happen through you trying to work hard at it. It's not going to happen just because you go to a program. It's not going to happen just because you do this or you're in church every Sunday or these things. No, it is going to happen not because you create a habit of coming to church or going to a, a program. It's going to happen because of the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what changes people. That's what changes you. That's what changes me. Go back to John, John 9. John 9, 7, in the beginning part of this verse, Jesus said this to the blind man, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Now, if the blind man was going to receive his healing, he had to walk the road. If he was going to get his healing, he, he had to walk that road. But I looked down that road that road of healing, I don't want to walk that road because it's painful. Because I look down that road and it's long. And, and, and there's going to be a lot of hurdles and there's a lot of setbacks and it's rocky and it's rough and, and it's, it's long. And I, I don't want to I don't want to walk that, that road. I, I want an HGTV experience with God. That's what I want. You know, th those shows on HGTV are so realistic, are they not? Man, I mean, because everybody, you know, fixes their home in their heels and studded diamond earrings, don't they? We all do that, right? Not me. I mean, I, I usually sweats and I don't shower because I know I'm going to get sweaty and dirty anyway. But when you watch those shows, 
How realistic are they? I mean, they, they, they start the show, they got this big project they're going to work on, and bam, 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 boom, 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 and through a few commercials, and voila! In less than 30 minutes, everything is good, right? And that's exactly the experience we want with Jesus. That's the spirit experience we want with the Holy Spirit. We, we want it 30 minutes or less. Just fix it, God. I don't want to walk that road, but the problem is, is we have to walk that road. Life doesn't work that way. We have to walk the road. This is, this is really important for you to know, um, and this is so important for us to know as followers of Jesus. So you may want to write this down because this is where a lot of us get messed up in our theology of what it means to be a Christian, but this is the truth of what it means, is Christ forgives instantly, but healing is a process. Okay, it's so important. Christ forgives instantly, but healing is a process. In, in other words, the Spirit of God provides counsel and might on the road to healing. He, he's the one who knows what you need to do, and he's the one who can give you the power to do it. Look, look at the second part of verse 7 in chapter 9 of John. It says, so the man went and he washed and he came back seeing. Here's the thing that is kind of unspoken in the story. If this man was going to get to the pool, he needed some help because he's blind. He's not getting to that pool by himself. I think it's safe to assume that he had some buddies. He had some friends that took him by the hand and said, come on, I'm going I'm to show you the way to the pool. Can I just tell you, this is one of the ways that the Holy Spirit, it's not the only way, but it's one of the ways that the Holy Spirit provides counsel and might. It's through godly relationships and friendships. Do you have some godly relationships and friendships in your life? Who are your friends? Where are they leading you? What pool are they leading you to? That's big. I mean, that, if, that is worth the price of admission right there. 100% of the time, I've seen this happen. Your friends are going to lead you to their pool, okay? Your close friends, I'm not talking about people that don't know Jesus, that you're reaching and that. I'm talking about your close inner circle of friends, your buddies, your homeboys, whatever you want to call them, your sisterhood, you know, whatever they are, they're going to lead you to their pool. So who are your friends and where are they leading you? You know, one of the things we say around here is we grow in relationship with God by being in relationship with God's people. We grow in relationship with God by being in relationship with God's people. You will not get that one hour every other Sunday. You're not going to get that. You got, you got to get into the body of Christ. You got to get into the church. If your only experience is one hour Every other Sunday, you're not a part of the church. And I don't mean that in a mean way. I'm not trying to be cruel to you. I just want you to know. You may say, oh, that's my, listen, you're not a part of the church until you're an integral part of the body of Christ. Because people need you. And you need them. Because this world is cruel, it is mean, it is nasty, and we all get just stuck or we get to a place where we stumble, and you got to have somebody who will pick you up and help you down that road. 
So do you have that in your life? If you don't, I'd encourage you, get on a core team. Getting on a core team is not just about serving the church, but it's about helping you. It's about you meeting some people and some people meeting you. Like they need you as much as you need them. It's about coming on a Wednesday night. We do core community here in a couple of weeks, and I encourage you to come on a Wednesday. It's not just a night for us to come and have a meal together and just another thing to do during the week. It's a place where the body of Christ comes together to support one another, to encourage one another, to help one another. If you're not in a group, you need to get into a group. Core groups are amazing. It's a great place to develop those kinds of relationships. If you're not in one come January, we're going to be talking about groups again and about getting in groups. You need to get in a group. But you need people surrounding you and helping you. But this is what's critical and important to remember here, okay? In this story, the blind man's friends, the blind man's friends, they, 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 they couldn't heal him. They had no ability to heal him. They could help him. But, but they couldn't heal him. The only way this guy was going to get healed is he had to go and wash. He had to be obedient to Jesus. This is what you and I need to know. Friends can't remove the blind spots. Your friends, they, they, they can only identify them. They can help you to identify blind spots. Uh, they, can, they can show you where you need help, where you need support. They can do all of those things. But it takes the supernatural washing of the Holy Spirit to overcome those blind spots. That's who the Holy Spirit is. That's that's what he wants to do. Like, this screen. This screen is not going to fix itself. And the more I try to work on it, the worse it's going to get. What you can't see is I've already put holes in it. And it's not even together. If if I want this screen to be fixed, I need to find somebody who can help me. Can I get somebody in the house that can help me? Oh, this is my neighbor. Jim, come here. No, come on, man. Get up, Jim. This is my neighbor, Jim. Give him a hand. This ain't just about the Holy Spirit today. This is about me getting my screen fixed. So, so if I want to, he, he guy's going to hate me for bringing him up here, but that's all right. So if, if, if I, and he's just, you know what he's doing? He's just tired of looking across the street at my house. Those are, I'll fix them for you. But okay, so this is great. I, I've identified Jim who can, who can fix my screen. That's great. But the screen is not going to fix itself and it's not going to get fixed until what? Until I give it to Jim. That's a good handoff right there now. Once I give it to Jim, now he can take it, he can fix it, and bring it back to me the way it's supposed to be. That's who the Holy Spirit is. Oh, you can pick this up after church. You can pick it up after church. You don't need to teach me how to do it. You need to do it. That's, that's, that ruins my illustration, okay? Just ruins my illustration. You don't need to teach me. That's next week. That's the sermon for next week. Hey, give Jim a hand, will you? Thanks, Jim. Next week, I'm going to be bringing a paintbrush and a can from a house, so you can paint houses. You'll be here next week. This is how how the Holy Spirit works in our lives, okay? Counsel and might. 
I don't know how to fix me. Turn to, turn to somebody next to you, tell them, say, I don't know how to fix me. I don't know how to fix me. But God does. God does know. God knows my flaws. He knows my weaknesses. He knows I can't figure it all out. And he says, if you just hand it to me, I have the might. I have the power to change it. And I'm going to fix that. I'm going to make it right in the way in which it was supposed to be. And then I'm going to give it back to you to guard over it and to protect it. That is who our God is. That's what he wants to do for you today. Would you bow your heads? God, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for speaking to us today. In this moment, you may have already identified an area of your life where you need counsel and might of the Holy Spirit. You can't get that counsel and that might unless you're really willing to walk that road to healing, unless you're willing to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And that's submitting that area and submitting your life to Him and saying, God, I need your help. I can't fix this. And I need you to fix it for me. If you've identified an area in your life and you're ready to surrender that area or just surrender your life completely to the Holy Spirit, would you just slip your hand right up now? Slip it up to God so He can see it. Put your hand as high as you can. Just get, put it up. This is the, I'm giving this over to God right now. This is His. God, take it. I'm trusting you, God. I'm looking to you and I'm ready to walk this road. No matter how long it is, no matter how hard it is, I thank you, God, for identifying this area in my life. And I thank you that your Holy Spirit is giving me the power to change, the power to be different. I'm going to walk this out with you, and I thank you. The power of the Holy Spirit in my life, and I surrender to you now. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you today to put your faith in Him for the first time. Or maybe you've walked away from God and you've, you've not been with Him. You were a follower of Jesus, but you've walked away and you say, man, I need to come back and I want to recommit my life to Jesus today. I just encourage you to make this your prayer. God, I know that I have some flaws. I know, God, I have weaknesses. I'm a sinner. What I need is you to forgive me. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the power of the cross. I thank you that you went there so I didn't have to go there. I thank you, God, that that blood covers and forgives all of my sin. God, I'm coming home to you. I don't know everything it means to follow you, but I'm today driving a stake in the ground to say I'm going to be your son. I'm going to be your daughter. If you made that your prayer, would you just slip your hand up if you recommitted your life to Jesus today or you made a commitment to follow him. Thank you in the back, here in the front. Anybody else today, you made a commitment to follow Jesus. That's awesome. Praise you, God. Thank you, Lord, for those who are making commitments today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's celebrate with them. Let's celebrate with everybody who made life change today. People around you, people sitting right next.